girls far outperform boys in school. The average university is 60% female. Women out-earn their male counterparts in their 20s and 30s. And now, the US labor statistics say that more than 50% of the workforce is female. In Western Europe, we're seeing the same trends. Welcome to season two, Psychobabble. Last episode, we talked about what happens to our children's mental health when we put them in daycare and go off to work. But what happens to us? How are we doing and how are we doing in our relationship? Before we start, have you thought about what you're going to say when your kids come to you and say, how did you let it get this bad? Why didn't you do anything? You probably don't have the time or the energy or even the interest to scream loudly from the rooftop. You could say, I supported those who did. I liked and shared and subscribed. <laughs> I hit that share button and the like button and I subscribed. So make sure you're able to tell them that. So today I'm really excited to introduce you to Susan Banker. She's the author of five books. The first she co-authored with her aunt, Phyllis Shapley, who you might be familiar with, called The, F the Flip Side of Feminism. Then she went on to author four more books on modern women and debunking feminist myths and detailing how to build lasting relationships. So needless to say, she's done extensive research. She's an expert marriage coach, the host of Suzanne Banker's show. She, she, is a, she was a columnist for Washington Examiner and a regular contributor at Fox News. I could go on and on, but bottom line, I am so excited to be speaking to you today, Suzanne. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Hannah. Nice to talk to you. So I was really intrigued that you were called America's uh, expert on the gender war. Can you tell me about that? How did you come to be uh, the, this expert? And can you map off for us what, what that means? Um, how did you pick up the sword in that fight? It was gradual. It's definitely not something you sit down and decide, I'm going to do this for my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it's, it was just a gradual process of having written several books, been out on the media circuit, and then what happened was in 2012, I wrote a book, uh, sorry, I wrote an article called The War on Men, mm -hmm. which best as I last I heard was one of its um, top op-eds in all of history in Fox yeah, News. I also read so, that. Yeah. And so um, it's called The War on Men. It's very short and sweet. Anybody can Google it um, and find it. And it it basically just laid out sort of the premise for a book that I had coming out at that time. Um, which just highlighted what you what you said when you opened the show, which is that men are falling behind, women are moving up. Um, and my uh, observation in that piece was that instead of women just expanding their opportunities outside of marriage and motherhood gradually as um, technology changed and people had smaller families and that sort of thing, they, in effect knocked men off of their pedestal. I think this is the way I described it in 2012, where they were providers and protectors and said, hey, you know, we don't need you. We can be our own providers and protectors. Moved men aside and got up on that pedestal instead, which is a very different thing from my argument, which is that men and women have unique roles that they serve both in a relationship and in society. And we there's room enough for both of us without having to put one 
in a lower stratosphere than the other, which ironically is what feminists argued was mm -hmm. the opposite and what men had supposedly done, which I also have a lot to say about because I don't think that the way they described it is actually accurate. Your mm -hmm. most recent book was called The Alpha Female's Guide to Men and Marriage, How Love Works. I, I love that title. And so we talked earlier on this show yeah. about the alpha female and the one we all want to aspire to, the elegant, the, gets everything done. What happens when she gets married? So that whole um, push for women to, in effect, be more like men, right? Just go get it done, be aggressive, drop your femininity. We don't need that anymore. Um, be equal to men by proving yourself. There's no question that that has been successful in the marketplace. I mean, I don't think anybody could argue that. And to the extent that it works there in that sphere, I'm good with that. I, no problem. The issue really is when you cannot turn it off and you're bringing that same persona into your love relation, into your love life or your marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's not where those that that's not how marriages and relationships flourish. Uh. They flourish when there is a distinct masculine and feminine energy, number one, mm. where there's sort of a, um, a yin and a yang mm -hmm. so that they're in order to uh, keep the power struggles from taking over, which I believe is where we are now, because women aren't understanding that their femininity is their greatest superpower in a love relationship and that you don't need to be fighting for control or vying for power or playing tit for tat or or, or having a his and hers mentality when you get married with your finances, all of this mm -hmm. stuff that has really broken down the marriage relationship, which is dependent upon sex differences and dependent upon a team mentality. And that is not in place today from what I see mm -hmm. in my business. And just not just the coaching business, but even prior to that, I could see that for years just in my research with the books I was writing. So how does that power struggle present? What, what, could you tell us about these couples that come to you? What, how do they present? What, do you, what have you experienced yeah. with them? So the worst case scenarios are the, the full-on gender role reversals, where the wife is the breadwinner mm -hmm. and the man is earning, you know, maybe half of what she's earning. And... This is a difficult conversation to have because it's so tender and people aren't, it's very new, still very new. People not sure exactly how to deal with it, but they know that something isn't right. So what I'm receiving are the calls from women who have sort of mapped out their lives according to how they were told to do it and become very successful, very independent, pushed marriage and motherhood off. They're now in their thirties. They are married because statistically women most people do still actually marry. Most women will marry, even if they put it off and find themselves, for example, wanting to be home for a few years and stepping out of the workforce. Yeah. And wow, now they're stuck because they made all these decisions in terms of whom they married and um, professional decisions that have got them locked into earning. Mm -hmm. And they want to step off the treadmill and literally can't. And they are miserable and their marriages are feeling that. So and the men are feeling that and not sure what to do about it. Yeah. So these decisions, we're talking about mortgages and yep. these financial uh, decisions that are just. Uh, yeah. Like, for example, well, student debt is a huge one over here in America. I mean, mm. huge. Um, people are bringing way too much student debt to the table because they were taught to, again, postpone marriage and motherhood as long as possible. Go into debt for that degree. No big deal. You're going to work and pay it off later. 
without any understanding that, well, actually, I'm not going to be in the workforce full time year round my whole life. And so I may not be able to pay this loan off. And so that then bleeds over into other financial decisions that you want to make, including home ownership. Um, and of course, there's many people who will buy houses based on two incomes instead of one mm -hmm. with the assumption that you're never going to want to step out and then get stuck down the line. Um, when you can't, you have to keep working and they're absolutely miserable. Yeah. Those are my people. That's who I work with. Right. So how can you help them? What do yeah. you do? <laughs> well, as I say, so, that, you know, um, so that's sort of, in some ways, an extreme version because they're not all quite to that degree. Now, there might be somebody who is um, wanting to have a more traditional life or a traditional marriage and not knowing how to do it, just wanting the skills for that. So it's not necessarily a financial problem like I just described. So it runs the gamut. I don't want to suggest that that's all I do, but those are harder. There's no question about it. What what ends up happening is I'm getting into the weeds of their finances and I'm showing them how to change their mindset about, well, let's, I mean, just begin with the marriage relationship itself. So many of these folks are coming in with your bank account, my bank account, my mm -hmm. savings, your savings, my debt, your debt. And that's why they are struggling. They are not understanding that you become one when you get married. Mm -hmm. And if you want to build wealth and if you want to build a strong relationship, you have to be all in as a team. And so it's really undoing the whole mindset that they've been raised with and starting over from scratch in a lot of ways. You know, and my and I'm very hopeful about it. I'm not a pro-divorce person, so I'm going to say, "Hey, let's start over with the marriage you already have, right? Mm -hmm. Let's let's just keep the marriage you've got, but change the way you're going about it." Being active all the time and incorporating that into your everyday life is easier said than done. For me, it really helped when I found Pitch Fitness Center, a premium wellness gym. It's not just your run-of-the-mill fitness center with white walls and vinyl floor smells like a school gym. This place really gives you that hotel spa feeling. And the best thing as a mom is that it has this kids club, which is amazing. My kids really like to go there. We go every day, even on Sundays. It's so good that even when I'm too lazy to work out, my kids force me to go anyway. And then I go to the wellness area. They even have a steam bath, a bio sauna, a finished sauna, and a quiet room where you can lie down. I usually fall asleep a little bit. And afterwards, I feel so pampered. And my kids have had the time of their lives. So please go and check it out. The link is in the description. And you can give them a promo code. It's what should I tell my daughter? And you'll get a discount. When do you see success? Because I'm, I'm guessing there that you have seen that. Can you? So are there difference between couples? You know, I'm thinking like a therapist here. I would always say, okay, this type of person, then we have to work in this. And the success rate is. What What can you say about that? Yeah, it, it's all over the page. I mean, it really runs the gamut. Um, the quicker and easier fixes are the ones who aren't so far down in the weeds financially, right? The ones who just need more support or skills for how to be um, successfully married or have a more peaceful relationship and conflict resolution, that sort of thing. Those are quicker fixes. The ones that are more of what I was describing before is a much longer road. Um, I had one, for example, that stands out who... Gosh, she went back and forth with they were actually separating mm -hmm. and getting back together and trying to figure out, oh, my God, the the, the hugeness of what we've created here. Um, 
is so overwhelming, but because they were both so committed and so all in, they were able to turn things around, but it took, I mean, several years. Now, I don't mean working with me for several years, but the process of yeah. undoing, I mean, it's a huge, tall order, right. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know that. And it seems that, again, those are the extreme cases. There's plenty that aren't this, that, um, that topsy turvy. Mm -hmm. So those are the, those are the longer road. And some of them won't do it. If they're not all in, they're checked out. Someone's already moved into contempt mode where I don't have any respect for you. I'm not going to be helpful there. Right. So that's the so, red flag. That's what I wanted to ask you. What are the, yeah. the things where you say, oh, no, that's happened. Okay. Then we really have a long road. What are those? Those are, I mean, I can tell now doing this for so long that immediately there's a, I mean, it can be anything from body language to the, first of all, I don't necessarily talk to everybody together. I'll talk with them individually. So people are more free to speak okay. and I can tell whether they, um, yeah, this isn't couples couch counseling. I mean, this is, I talk, I work with them individually about their relationship because the focus is supposed to be on you, the individual, not the other person mm -hmm. and what you bring to the table, um, that's very interesting because I also work with couples together and it's just, a, I feel like a judge. I really, it's like they yeah. come to court rather than yeah. we want to fix something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I do occasionally have to speak with them together. Maybe at the first call, for example, I'll do that for 30 minutes. And I can, and the feel is so different from one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, people really open up more, you know, when they have all the attention, which makes, which makes perfect yeah. sense. Um, but so I can tell sort of from body language and from the vocabulary they use whether they are checked out or not and it this this took a while I mean there were times when I didn't know and I would take them on and it didn't work because I could tell they really were just wanting to check this off the list that they tried to get help but they were really had one foot out the door right and that's a waste of my time in there so I, I'm much better with that now yeah, so um, they could just say I will you know I tried that therapist and it didn't work so mm -hmm. yeah okay what sort of yeah. language but it's really interesting um Rolling their eyes. Hmm. Uh, that's a big one. Because um, that's like, I'm, I'm taking your opinion and throwing it in the trash. Exactly. They're taking, yeah, I mean, I can just tell you're checked out. There's just no respect there. And if it's gone to that point, it's, 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 there's really not a lot I can do. But fortunately, that's not the case for the most people I speak with. That's mm -hmm. maybe, maybe 20%. Mm -hmm. So, because again, I'm going to not waste our time if it's, you know to that point. So I wouldn't take them on. But um, most people I have found are really just, it's like they're, um, they've embarked on this phase of life, meaning marriage and kids, basically. And they've had absolutely no modeling, no tutelage, no uh, guidance, no nothing. And of course, a lot of them are products of divorce. So they've never seen it in action and they don't all they know is really how to be successful, how to how to achieve both of them. Now, you know, it used to be that men were really focused on that and they were sort of dependent on the woman, the women's more, in, you know, intuitive sort of relational side. But with so many men, women now like men, it's like there's two men in the marriage instead of a woman and a man. So you would put sense. most of the okay, I don't like this word, but blame on the women. I think I used to do more of that. But now I'm feeling like the, see, I never really, I blame more parents in the culture. That's where my sort of frustration is. It's not really with the women or the men, quite frankly. It's the world in which they've been, the culture in which they've been raised mm -hmm. and the homes in which they've been raised where they, like I said a moment ago, they have no idea how to 
navigate this sphere of life. All they know how to do is just, you know, achieve. So I don't know that we can expect them to all of a sudden, how are they going to know this if they don't have any modeling or any guidance? So I think it's affecting men just as much as women. And men have no idea what to do either because they want women to be happy. Um, that's really what they live for. They're mm -hmm. When they love someone, they want their wives to be happy. And if they think achieving or being the breadwinner is going to make her happy, they sort of instinctually step back. And then the woman realizes, wait, I don't want to do this. And then she's frustrated with her husband for stepping back and wants him to step up, except you, you've been up here for so long creating this, he doesn't know what to do and what you want. So if you want to undo that, that's going to be a tall order that can be done. But again, both people have to really be all in and understand what's happened and how to undo that. Hmm. So you have to really counteract all these beliefs that the women have been modeled. You talked about exactly. being modeled the wrong things. Are those then the feminist myths? Or what are the things that they believe exactly. that uh, they end up in these situations of power struggle and bad relationship dynamics? Well, so, for example, the fact that men and women are, quote unquote, equal, as in, which has translated to the same or interchangeable. So because we're not allowed to talk about, hey, women tend to lean this way and men lean this way, that's taboo over here because we're supposed to be, really, we're like an androgynous nation over here. Mm -hmm. And nobody's allowed to say anything about gender that isn't considered, you know, open and loose and whatever anybody wants. So there's no recognition of the biological differences between women and men that will come out in full force once children come along. And I think up to that point, men and women are both used to, they do feel equal. They're doing the same things. They're living the same kind of lives, really, for a super long time since they're postponing marriage for so long. So think about it. They both go to school. They both start, they go to work. They both have, you know, they get their places to live. They're, they really do feel very equal, mm -hmm. as in the same. It isn't until women hit somewhere around the age of 30 when that nesting instinct kicks in. And it is real and it is biological and it does not happen that same way for men. And they have never heard this before. Like just saying it feels yeah. sort of blasphemous, doesn't it? That's very interesting that you name it because we've spoken about this here before that what happens when women turn 30 and, you know, there's this shift and we don't know what it is, but it happens. What is that? That literally is the nesting instinct saying, oh, my gosh, it's time to have babies. And the fact that not 100% of all women will have that experience is not a reason to discount the fact that most will. Mm -hmm. And we place so much attention on the outliers over here in this country. Like, it's just this, you know, it's all about the minority of the underrepresented groups, but we have to deal with the realities of the masses, right? And and the generalizations of, of most people. Mm -hmm. And that time of life causes women to shift their priorities like almost they almost don't even know it's happening until they all of a sudden their mind is just on marriage and children more than it is on their career and that's where their first signal like wait is this is this normal wait the culture told me i'm not supposed to do this or yeah. or i didn't even know this was going to happen or what are the people around me doing and then they're trying to compare and then looking on social media and they're just so lost about what is going on. So it was like an identity crisis. I could really like, Agreed. what is, 
right, who who am I now? My whole behavior, everything I want and desire, it changes. It's a, for definition, an identity crisis. It's that's your exact. You're exactly right. And what's unfortunate, and what you know, you talk about who I blame. I, I mean, I'm serious. I blame the culture and the previous generation of women who have set their daughters up to fail. I really believe that, mm-hmm. and I think they. It wasn't like some. Obviously, nobody sets out to do that on purpose. They believed they were doing right by sort of overcorrecting from what they experienced. So if they came from a world in which um, they felt like women didn't have as many opportunities, which was true, they didn't. Although I would argue that the reasons aren't what they would say. They would say it was all about oppression. I would say it was about technological advances in the birth control pill having naturally freed women up to do more things. Mm -hmm. Um, They came from that world. And so if their marriage didn't work out or if they had a bad relationship with their fathers or if whatever the case may be, instead of um, encouraging their daughters to expand their horizons, let's say outside of being a wife and mother and figuring out a way to incorporate that into your life in terms of the long-term plan, they just taught them just forget about marriage and babies altogether. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. You can always do that later. Just focus on your career, make money, make money, make money. And the result is what what we have today. And so even when kids kids come along, they're spoken about as a hindrance, as yeah, well, you just place them somewhere, mm-hmm. and then this is how quickly you can get back to work. And I'm speaking for pers- from personal experience here. Yes. So just uh, endless encouragement, really. I, I mean, right when you're in the throes of wanting to be with your baby, you're told, "Oh, daycare is <laughs> fine." And as you had Erica, the great Erica Komisar on last time, um, you, you heard everything there was to hear about the detriments of, of that. And it's, um, it, is, it is a massive, massive crisis that women can't even get the help that they need when they actually become mothers, let alone beforehand. Um, this alpha female, you have her in your office. She's maybe 40 now. I don't know how old they usually are then. Uh, if you could go back to when she was in her late teens, early 20s, to correct her course, what would you tell her? What would you counsel so that she'd never have to meet you? (laughs) I love it. That's such a great, that's how I'm going to market my new book, which I have coming out in March, because that's exactly, that's a perfect way. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see your intake form in my (laughs) inbox. Here's how to do that. Um, Yeah. So I can't really get into the specifics of that yet, but I do have a book coming out this year on that exact thing. And it's basically a roadmap for women who want to prioritize love and family in their life and how they're going to create a life or build a life that reflects that so that they don't get into this, this, this problem down the, down the road. And part of those steps have to do with um, what we already talked about, understanding that men and women are different and what you as a woman bring to the table that will bring a man to you. If so if you're not married and you're looking and you want to be, um, get serious about that early on when you're dating. Quit dating in this sort of, you know, just wait and see what happens kind of m- mentality and treat it more like a business, really. Like, I, I need to do this, so we're going to get this out of the way and figure out um, whether we're a match earlier on so that you don't wind up living with somebody you're never going to be married to and wasting all these years, that kind of thing. So that's one thing is understanding how to date for marriage as mm-hmm. opposed to just winging it. That's a huge piece of it. Um, it is about understanding that who you marry 
and how that marriage fares is going to be the single greatest indicator of your happiness and well-being than anything else you do. It's going to be the catalyst for all the other decisions you make. Like you can't afford to get this thing wrong. Like mm -hmm. that's what, how big it is. But nobody ever hears this because it's all about your career, your career, your career. But your career can be changed. You can change a job. You can't just swap out a spouse, right? So we've got our priorities so messed up in this country. Um, the, the, the work is supposed to sort of orbit around our relationships, our families. That's what matters. And we've flipped that completely and for decades now. And that's why we're in this situation that we're in. So there are ways of not winding up in this boat um, from the get-go if we have the courage to teach our daughters differently than we teach our sons and that that's okay. And that doesn't mean anything other than, hey, your body does something a man's doesn't. We've got to work with that. Men and women are different. Mm -hmm. So you can't map out your life the exact same way that a man will mm -hmm. um, because that's going to bite you down the road. Well, here's a big thing that I think is really surprising for people that they wind up confronting when they're married. This is probably the biggest, I would say. When you're not, before you have married with kids, breadwinning feels kind of, I mean, that's what you do. Everyone has to make a living and live their life. That's fine. Um, they don't, they're not thinking anything of it other than this is normal and feels fine. Once you get married and have kids, that breadwinning for women, for most women, is no longer front and center in their minds. They automatically flip to, I want to care for my child. How do I do that? Um, whereas a man, it doesn't work that way. A husband and father, his providing instinct will kick into high gear the moment that baby comes along. He's going to think, how am I going to provide for this baby and, this, and my wife and my family? And because we're not allowed to acknowledge that, how can you build a life based on that if you can't even talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. So that would be a big... Um, shift in mindset early on right so you don't yeah, I think up. then you've already done a lot of preventive work yeah right yep. yeah yep this episode is also sponsored by violet nails where i've been going to for years it has a bunch of things from eyebrows and massages mani pedis and it's the result is always so smooth and elegant and the the best thing i think is that the treatment never lasts longer than planned which is important when you have places to go and kids and all of that. You can sit in a massage chair while you get your treatment and listen to music. It's a really good time out. So go to the link below and check it out. Right, but then they'll say, oh, it's so important that you, you know, you have your own identity and that you have your own life outside of, you know, just the home or just your kids. I mean, I hear that all the time, right? Don't you? But make sure, Hannah, that you don't just exist for your children. It's like, what else am I like? Nope. What is that? Uh, is that psychobabble? Oh, a hundred percent, it's psychobabble. Except that it is certainly true that women live longer lives than ever. That you will not be a mother for fifty years, between twenty and seventy, let's say, or thirty and eighty, mm. right? So out of that long life, you're only with, you're only in that phase really for 20, 25 years, depending on how many children you have. And because people have really fewer children now, they're, they're not in it for as long of a phase of their life. Right. So it does make sense um, that you're probably going to want to um, have 
quote unquote, something else outside of being a mother. The point is not to not go to school, not get um, not develop a skill, not ever do anything outside of mothering. No one's fighting for that. I'm certainly not arguing for that. If you want to do that and you've found something that works, I just don't know many people who who do that. Um, and I'm not advocating for it. I'm saying in order to make family the focus, um, you have to pull back to some degree in this other sphere and find something that works with that as the priority and the goal so that you do ultimately at the end of your life end up having both in your life. You have right. some professional endeavor um, and you're able to be there for your children. You can really do. I mean, Erica Komosar and I are both great examples of women who've done it. We can tell you how to do this. It doesn't really have to be one or the other if you pan out and are and are able to say well yeah some careers are just out of the question because they require your constant devotion so that's not going to work but think outside the box you know what what does um alongside motherhood and i think this identity thing marriage is about giving up your independence so if you don't like it don't get married Hmm. right it's going to depend on two people being interdependent dependent upon each other right this whole thing of that i think yeah and and that's so to me that's okay because that's where the growth really begins and that's where um the meat of life exists so Mm -hmm. you are thinking negatively about it and you're fiercely in your this is who i am and i'm gonna keep myself my whole life um, and this marriage thing is just, I can't let it take me. I mean, right off the bat, you're going in it with the wrong attitude. And because just- we, um, we just spoke about this, my husband and I, the other day, that th- there's maybe not a trend, but we notice how all of our friends, they just go on vacations with their uh, girlfriends, with their guy friends, like uh, separately, like a weekend with my guys here, a weekend with and, and we were like, they all do this. What is that? You know, I would, how much time um, would you say is when you would say, Oh, that's too much time apart. Is there, can we, or when you say, oh, that that's okay, that's healthy, and this is an unhealthy uh, time. Yeah, how does I, it, I hear yeah. what you're saying. Um, I would think that would be more of a financial issue in a marriage, meaning that, for example, if you were married, in a given year, if you have the funds to go off together as a family or as a couple and your friends... <laughs> You know, okay, I guess you could do that. Uh, most people, I don't think, would necessarily have that. No, you would be like, it's either right. or. But that's yeah. why they both work, to be able to well, do this, true. right? True. That's a really good point. And it's probably a lot of dual incomes who are doing that. It's- so that's it's a, a pattern you've seen in your clients, that one has this amazing social life and goes, no, no, you know, no. has these... Uh, but I've read about it. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I've read yeah. about it. But no, I don't have... I don't think I've had a client who has a lot of um, separate vacations with their girl. No, I haven't run across that. Yeah, no, I think we were the only ones who are just, because uh, we prioritize one income. So we're just really, we're yeah. here all the time. Yeah. Right. Oh, same. <laughs> I mean, it's been that way for us for years. I mean, we're just now moving into another phase with um, being empty nesters. But we did that for years. So like I'm thinking back, yeah. I'm going, well, I guess if we had the money to just like go together and I'm going to go with separate friends. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's great. 
So uh, yeah, I think also when about what we were speaking about before that with the identity thing that it used to that um, it, it didn't take a long time before you after the empty nest that you'd become a grandmother and then you'd have a whole another cycle to to embark on with the family being being the focus and I don't think it, we see that in our mothers uh, anymore. No, no. In fact, I, now that's a big thing that's happening now is the grandmother and millennial debacle where over here, I don't know about there, but um, there's kind of a power stroke, not power stroke, that's not the right word, uh, fight between millennials wanting their grandparents to be involved in their kids' lives mm -hmm. and the grandparents are off gallivanting across the country and don't want to be involved in their kids' lives. Yeah. And that gosh there's so much to say about that we don't want to go on a tangent yeah but, but i have a lot of girlfriends who come to me and they're jealous because i have a very hands-on mother you know so, mm, yeah oh that's that looks nice you know i tried to get my mother to maybe take the kids one day a week but like no kid she has her own life not good for no us. not good i mean you and then you wonder well that's that's where this came from i mean it's really boomers that began the whole shift away from focused on family onto and you talk about identity, you know, that's been around hand. I don't know how old you are, but that whole argument is how the whole feminist movement started mm -hmm. with a woman's identity. I don't know if, yeah, like Betty Friedan book, The Feminine Mystique, that was the core theme of the book was women are losing their identities. But mm -hmm. she took it so far that she called it a comfortable concentration camp oh. to be home with your children. And that, and she compared it to being in war. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. Right. And so it's like she she hit on something that has a piece of truth to it, right? Where at the time, women really didn't have much life outside of um, being a wife and mother. And of course, they had more children. And this is pre-birth control. So you really were kind of homebound in a way that women certainly aren't today. And you didn't have the conven modern conveniences that we do. So you definitely were homebound. And so she tapped into a real legitimate feeling mm -hmm. that women had, but then just you know, pounced on it with all this hyperbole. And, um, and and we have what we have today. So that whole identity thing really isn't new. That's been since the 60s that that argument has been made. But right. hello, my identity mm -hmm. is being a wife and mother. That's mm -hmm. that's where my biggest pride and joy is. It's a great thing. It's not something to, mm. um, a, to shun or to be embarrassed about. That is who I am. Right. I mean, what I do here, like right now on the side, that's my side thing that sort of orbits around my focus. And my focus is my marriage and my kids. And by the way, they're grown. They're now in their early 20s. Mm -hmm. They're still my identity, you know? They're they're my greatest creations. So you say that with pride. And I, I think that's, that's a bit of the problem. It's been so devalued that, you know, you're just a mom. I mean, call that all the time that we, you know, you're just a stay-at-home mom. So, like, you wouldn't know. How can we try to infuse some pride into yeah. women? What can we do? So, it's important to understand how that, what that really means and how that really came into the fold to where it's so normalized. We used to honor motherhood forever. I mean, this is still really very new to be so dismissive of it. And, of course, that was back at a time when, again, family came first, relationships were, I mean, people worked, people lived to work. They didn't work to, am I saying that right? Work to live? Yeah. yeah. No, they worked to live, sorry. 
and now we live to work. It wasn't like that for the average family. And so the expectations and the, you know, I want to say like the substance, people's um, values were just so much better. And, and they were focused on, wow, what really goes into raising a baby to 18? Like that is amazing, awesome, hard, taxing, rewarding, like all, every emotion you can, you can have, right? But the single most important thing a human can do. Yeah. Even men believed that. You know, they almost felt sort of second in terms of their value because how can you compete with you know birthing a baby out of your body right and raising this baby for 18 and like being so sacrificial in that way I mean you're on a higher plane just doing that and I think even men knew that and they couldn't do that so what do they do they bring the bring the food home for you to be able to do that and that understanding is just vanished and everything's about um me 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 um you know, what, what What you're going to get out of something. There's no such thing as sacrifice. You don't hear that word at all. Um, and there's just no real understanding that the work that goes into raising babies, raising children, is the most rewarding work you'll ever do because we don't even call it work, right? We just think since everybody can do it, technically, you don't need a degree to do it, and we only value outside achievement, that well anybody can do that so that's not something to to hang your hat on you don't like you know you don't Mm. need to feel pride in that because who can't do that well Mm. a lot of people can't do that in fact we aren't doing that we aren't raising our children well at all yeah well so it is they have the kindergarten teachers and the people who work with small kids because they have to raise them up this is such a big field that's why you can't do it right you have that fight with women all the time right they they're not enough you're not enough for your kids so i would love to stay home with them but i'm just i'm just not enough for them because i'm not a kindergarten teacher so maybe Um, do you think maybe that has something to do with it um, yeah i do I do. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I think that's a huge, 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 like big fat misconception and just lie that women have been sold to as a push to get younger and younger children into the government's hands. Really, that's really what that's about is getting them out, getting the women in the workforce, you know, raise the GDP. The kids are just sacrificed. Mm. I mean, any way you look at it and women have if you don't have um a degree in early childhood education, if you don't have experience caring for children when you're younger as a teen, let's say babysitting, that used to be big in my day, Mm. you really don't understand children. You don't understand how it works. You really think that just anybody can just do it. And it doesn't have to be mom or doesn't have to be dad. And so it's really just this massive ignorance, you know, lack of education on this subject that has them believing it just doesn't matter who has the babies or who has the children. It's it's that's really the place to start is an education about what children need, yeah. and to not be afraid of the politics surrounding that. Right. And uh, speaking of politics, right uh, at the at the the TPUSA event this this summer. Um, that's the the largest uh, gathering of conservative women in in the U.S. Turning point, turning point, yeah, yeah. yeah turning point yeah. USA. They had this, uh, yeah. uh, what was it called? It's the, the 
uh, young leadership, young women in leadership summit. So it was yeah. just yeah. all the conservative young young women, mm-hmm. and um, well, I wasn't very happy about how they were speaking about young women. They were trying to counter feminism. There was so that I was happy about that they did this fight against feminism, um, but then they were sort of cheering to uh, there are no available men in the u.s like who wants a man like this and everyone cheered uh, there are no men like this like, it was a part of charlie mm-hmm. kirk's speech and worded like that but i was sort of thinking well, you know, are men really that much to blame and they were, were really uh, lamenting the oh. uh, the available um you know stand up uh, strong yeah, men yeah, in, yeah. in society so could we speak a little bit about that yeah, what happens yeah. in the dating market why do we hear this there are no good men left so here's my theory on that okay it's not that they're wrong in what they're seeing as the problem which is kind of how we started this conversation which is that mm-hmm. women are excelling and men are not and women still want and need men who are at least as equal in status and education and financials as they are or higher so that when they become mothers, they can depend on them if they have to for X amount of time. I mean, nobody phrases it this way, but that's really what it is. And that's called hypergamy and it's real and it's been there since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And it's normal and natural for women to need that. The problem is because no one's allowed to talk about that those folks who are screaming about, you know, where are all the good men are not willing to also concede their role in what has happened. And that includes conservative women, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah, so that was surprising the- to me. Yeah, yes. But it came so not there. to me. Mm-hmm. Yep, because I learned the hard way many, many years ago that at the end of the day, I truly believe that, oh, let's call it my issue, the, the pot that I've been banging all this time, actually isn't a political one. Mm. Well, it is a political one because it's so... Um, heightened and and um, controversial, but it's actually not like a conservative position, in my opinion, because there are plenty of, for example, conservative working moms and liberal stay-at-home moms. I feel like this issue is separate from politics, which is why I got out of it some years ago, because I feel like this is a human issue, a family issue, a relationship issue, a values issue. Um, it's not really about whether you think right or left per se. Um, Men have taken a step back, like I said, in my opinion, because women have said, we don't need you. Hey, we can take care of ourselves. We can do what you do. Well, when you say that to a man, all he hears is, well, I guess there's no place for me here on earth. So I'll just sit in my basement and, you know, while away on the video games or whatever. Right. They don't even... Have They have no incentive to make something of themselves because nobody, they've been told that they don't, they're not needed. And then what's happening is women are finding out they were wrong. They're hitting 30 and they do need a guy who can provide. And well, where are they? Well, right. this is what you told them for 10 years. So they've stepped out. And that's part and parcel, in my opinion, of not understanding men. Hmm. So women are just as lost, in my opinion, about not just the mothering thing, but also men. Like they just don't understand how men think how they operate, what will embolden them, what will what they need to succeed. So if you're going to be so pro-girl power, pro-woman first, then you can't really then complain about what's happened as a result of that. Boss girl. 
boss girl, girl. <laughs> boss girl. You know, and and oh, yeah. men run the gamut. I mean, you get you have men who have fallen. You know, they're in it too. Like, yeah, they think that's great. Um, and then there are men who are just sort of quietly, you know, trying to circumvent that. And then there are those who fight back against that. Um, but I think the the average guy is just falling in line and just going along with it because they don't know how to fight that. Mm-hmm. And again, they're also fighting against their own desire for you to be happy. So if they think that's what you want, they're going to, mm-hmm. opposite of what feminists told you, they don't want to hold you down. They actually want to yeah. prop you up. Good right. men want to prop you up. So they're going to let you do that because that's what you said you wanted. So then five years down the road, if you all of a sudden change your mind, you can't then complain that he's not the provider because you told him not to be. And yeah. that happens in coaching a lot. I deal mm-hmm. with that for sure to circle it back to that. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to accept, wow, we've been lied to, yeah. both of us, both of us, and not get the blame on each other, right. but just say, well, we screwed this up. We have to fix this. And you get the women to have that realization that... Um, well, I'll tell you what's one. I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting about what I do because I'm so visible online. Um, nine out of ten people who've reached out to me know everything I think and what I'm all about before they ever get with me. Right. So you can see how that works as kind of a nice process of elimination for me. Right. I'm not likely to get the people who are going to hate what I'm saying because they already. Right. Why would they call me? Yeah. Yeah. So it worked out well in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Like you sort of ward off the yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no impossible yeah. cases. Yeah, exactly. Painters are just going to say things online. They're not going to call me and fill out my intake yeah. form. Yeah. So you 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 have been in this fight for for much longer than I mean, I'm a newcomer. So is there um is there hope? Like, are you seeing some you know some push? There there's some give. What's happening? Um, I think that all change takes time and revolutions are usually decades long and this one is an old one that is still with us mm-hmm. and it's going to take a super long time to undo and will we undo it as a society i don't know but i know that individuals can undo it for themselves so while i say hey fighting the culture is going to be too big for you but you can you can fix your own life that's all that matters you know you can change your mind anytime you want um and and get it back on track. I truly believe that. So I see I see hope, and I also think Gen Z, who's my kids, those are my kids' um, generation. I I do think that they are seeing the results of things, and I think they're going to get married earlier. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot about marriage on its way out. I don't know about over there, but I think it, I I think the opposite's happening and going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's I could be wrong. And and uh, it's different here in Scandinavia. Not. Yeah, the Scandinavian. Uh, I know, <laughs> but interestingly about. enough, even there, uh, where you, you know it's it's mandatory that both works. It's very expensive if you choose to have one income. Very yeah. expensive. Taxes are so high, and everything is included. Yep. Yada yada yada. Yep. Yep. But even there, we're having this trad wife movement. It's really it's really crazy. I mean, obviously, then mostly among very upper class people can afford it, and they are they're they're not liberals. No, they're not. And they are an extreme version. Like, I don't talk to those people one-on-one. I'm I'm aware of it. I think that it's going to take that kind of extreme segment to then have the masses sort of go, well, I don't really want that either, but mm-hmm. I don't want what my parents taught me. So where's that middle ground? And I'm hoping that's where I can be helpful yeah. because I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle there. Um, I'm definitely not part of either movement. So. Right. 
I really like what you say with the with um the piecemeal version that you can yeah. do things in a way but then you also have to go way back and say mm, maybe choose the education maybe choose the trade where that is possible and that because I'm talking to a lot of working moms who say oh, I have to work otherwise it, the business runs away from me right. the yeah. these things that can't be away for 10 years and then jump back in right? as a doctor I'm, I'm lucky that way though there's also always yeah. need and um so they so they have to sort of always always work um but I re I really like what you're what you're saying about that that you can do you can have it all right now exactly um, that's that's yeah. actually a, I mean that really is the the crux probably of what I've been arguing for twenty years is that you can have it all but right not right now at one time um, it needs to be piecemeal a woman's life has seasons you're going to feel differently at twenty five than you do at thirty five as long as there's somebody a mentor a mother a, a guidance counselor, anybody just sort of helping you understand that early on, then you can make decisions that will set you up for life. Mm -hmm. And be, and those people that didn't get any of that have set up something, a completely different kind of life that is not working for them down the road. Thank you so, so much for, for coming here today, for all the work that you've done and still do. Awesome. And uh, I hope all of you listeners, you go and buy those books and um, and yeah, go and look up Suzanne Menker, SuzanneMenker.com. Uh, I'll put the link in the description. And uh, you're writing a book now. Can, uh, oh, well, can we done. have you it's back after out, this book? Actually. Yeah, it's coming out in March and it's all about what we're talking about. It's going to be um, it's going to be that roadmap that that women don't have. So I'm super excited about it. Sounds like something we really need. I agree. I concur. Thanks, okay. Hannah. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Psychobabble. As I said in the beginning, please support us by liking, subscribing, following us on whatever platform care. you use. The link to our website is in the description, so go check it out. 